0: Happy Father's Day to all of you dads as well. I hope you feel loved today, appreciated, cherished, valued, and celebrated. So happy Father's Day to you. Hey, we are beginning the, uh, a four-week series here coming up called Family Matters. And these sermons are going to take us back to Matthew chapter 18 and Matthew chapter 19. That's where we're going to be over the next few weekends. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about marriage, about singleness, about conflict resolution, and today we're going to be looking at what we, as biological parents or spiritual parents, you know, can do to disciple our children, disciple those younger than us, disciple this next generation to follow Jesus. And so, welcome here to our central campus. And um, now, if you are a parent, if you know of a parent, If you have had a parent, all of us have, you know that parenting can be challenging. Boy, it can be a struggle at times, but it can be also so very incredibly fulfilling, absolutely. I love being a dad. Love being a parent to four children. I love uh, the way my wife and I can interact and just do things with our kids. We love spending time with our kids. Um, I love how, uh, as our children grow, just changes the conversations that we're able to have with one another because of their growth and their maturity. Just the things we're talking about these days are awesome. Um, And there's pain in parenting as well, right? There's some difficult things that come up and happen as we parent. It's painful at times. Um, No one has a training manual, a class, a course, a a certificate right, um, to parenting. There is no, there's nothing out there that just prepares you for all the scenarios and circumstances that you encounter as a parent. Just last week, we had a situation with one of our kids, and it just required my wife and I sitting down with them and talking with them, bringing some instructions, some directives, um, some discipline into their life, and I sat down with, uh, we were sitting down with our child and I, I just said, you know what, this isn't fun for, my, for Nadine and I, this just isn't fun. And we definitely know it's not fun for you because of the consequences here of your actions. Um, we don't enjoy this, you don't enjoy this, but this is necessary. This is necessary so that you grow and you learn as a child. Just wanna say up front here at the beginning, there are no perfect parents, absolutely not. You as parents, you know that, but sometimes you might look at other parents and think, "Well, wow, they're the perfect parents. Look at what's going on. If it's too good to be true, it's not true, right? There's just no perfect parents, absolutely, hands down. And just when you think maybe that you've got this whole parenting thing you know, nailed, right, that you're doing pretty good as a parent, we're humbled, aren't we? We are. A um, little while ago, I was corrected by my two-year-old daughter. Um, in, in our home, we just don't say, we're just not, it's not permissible to say, oh my goodness, uh, oh my gosh, oh my God, certainly. Um, and uh, just just the way we are in our family. Now, in genuine surprise to something that I saw, right, something that happened, in genuine surprise, I said, oh my And my two-year-old daughter said, Daddy, don't say that. That's a bad word, Daddy, don't say that, you know? Corrected by my two-year-old daughter, absolutely humbled. Um, But that's what happens. So with this understanding, right, that none of us are perfect parents, we all need grace, with the understanding as well that we want to raise our children the absolute best that we can, There's no parent that I know that goes into parenting, raising children, thinking, I just want to be an average parent. Mediocre. That's what I'm aiming for. Mediocre parenting. No one wants to do that. We desperately want to raise our children well, the best that we can. So with that understanding, here's the question. What is our singular priority in parenting? What's the goal that we're going after? What are we trying to achieve? right? What are we going after? It's this, from Matthew chapter 19. Your priority is to lead your children to Jesus so they follow him as fully devoted disciples. That's the goal. That's the priority. Lead your children to Jesus to follow him as fully devoted disciples of Jesus. That's what we're aiming for. Now, there might be some of you here that are saying, well, I'm not a parent, I don't have biological children. Is there anything here for me? Yes, there is. You have spiritual influence. You have spiritual leadership. You're you're spiritual parents of individuals in your life. Right, nieces or nephews or grandkids or or younger people around you, you have spiritual influence. There's something for you here. If you're a coach, if you're a youth leader, if you're an aunt, your uncle, uh, a, a children's leader, there's something for you here in this sermon to apply into your context in your life as you influence those to follow Jesus. So where does this priority come from? Matthew chapter 19 verses 13 to 15. That's where we're going to be anchoring ourselves today. This is what the gospel of Matthew says to us. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. Here's the context. Jesus was teaching in Galilee, covering a multiple of different topics to those who were gathered there. At some point during the day, individuals were bringing their children to Jesus. And the disciples, for whatever reason, felt maybe this was not appropriate. Maybe they thought this isn't, this isn't the right time. This is going to distract Jesus. Uh, who knows what they were thinking, but they were not happy about this. Jesus steps in, and here's what we see. Jesus valued children. He prioritized them. He gave his time to them. He prayed for them. He laid his hands on them and blessed them. He treasured and appreciated children, and he gave a warning In fact, he gave a command, do not hinder children from coming to me. He gave a command and a warning, don't hinder children from coming to me. Jesus wanted children to come to him. He wanted to know children. Jesus values children. Jesus wants our children to be introduced to him. Now, we introduce our children to a whole bunch of things, don't we? We introduce our children to an education, We introduce our children to food. We introduce our children to hobbies, to books, to entertainment, to movies, to sports. We introduce our children to friendships, to responsibility. We introduce our teenagers to good hygiene. Absolutely. You know, we bring our children to different experiences, introduce them to so many things. But Jesus says, don't hinder, don't distract So that your children don't find me. Said in a positive way, Jesus says, let children come to me. So here's a question. How do we bring our children to Jesus? How do we we live out this priority of introducing, bringing our children to Jesus so they become fully devoted followers of his? What does this look like? There's two things I want to share with you today. The first is this. We can't lead our children to Jesus if we haven't. Come to Jesus. If we don't know Jesus, if we don't love Jesus, we can't lead our children to where we have not gone ourselves as parents, as adults. The Bible teaches us to love our God, right? Parents, we're taught to love our God. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, a very familiar verse. to so those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a while, says this. Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Love your God. How much of our heart should we love our God with? All of our heart. All of our heart. How are our children, those you are spiritually leading, how will they find Jesus if they don't see this kind of love for God in us, in us as their parents? Lead your children to Jesus. And it starts with us. Absolutely starts with us. I mean, wouldn't you agree, many, if not most of us, we just struggle with this, loving God with all of our hearts. We love God with just a little bit of our hearts. But here's the thing, one of the most dangerous things we can do as we lead our children, as we exercise spiritual leadership you know, with others, is that we just introduce them to just a little bit of God. Just a little bit. That's one of the most dangerous things we can do. Might look like this: if we, as parents, maybe we'd say, "You know what? Church gathering for church gathering for corporate worship. You know, making a point to watch online and worship online. You know, it's maybe you know once a month. That's good. If we would say that, could you imagine if you just prioritize worship with others once a month? That's 12 times a year." Maybe as adults, we do, parents, we do that. Just a little bit of church, a little bit of God on the weekends. When you total that over the whole year, it's not a lot, just a little bit of God. Maybe, it, you know, as we lead our children, just a little bit of God from the bookshelf. We pull Bible off the bookshelf, read it occasionally. Rarely, perhaps, we introduce our children just a little bit of God from the bookshelf. Maybe, you know, it's prayer. Maybe we, you don't have a regular pattern of praying as a family or praying before meals, and just once in a while, or if we remember we pray together, little bit of prayer, little bit of God through prayer. One of the most dangerous things we can do is model a life of just a little bit of God in our lives, a little bit of love for God in our lives. Why is that dangerous? Because here's the thing. What will our children conclude about God? They're gonna conclude a little bit of God is all you need or a little bit of God is okay. Or they might think, if my parents just valued a little bit of God, I don't need to value any of God in my life. A dangerous thing we can do is just introduce our children to a little bit of God. Another way of saying that as, as we want, if we wanna lead our children to Jesus, we need, starting with us, to love God with all of our hearts, a lot of God in our lives all over our life with different things that we do practices that we have so that our children don't conclude that loving god you know isn't a priority william booth the founder of salvation army said this some strong tough words but he says this don't expect don't expect your children to be so naive That they won't see beneath the cloak of a false Christianity, especially if they find it in their own home. And don't think that after they discover its unreality, they won't despise it. Don't be surprised if they see such hypocrisy, then make an excuse for neglecting, if not positively disbelieving in Christ altogether. Tough words. Now, William Booth isn't saying here, parents, you need to be perfect. No, he's not saying that at all. That's not what he's talking about here. But he is talking about that if we as parents say we love Jesus, but we really don't, what are they going to see? He's really talking about here that if we say we take following Jesus seriously, but yet we don't, you know, what does that communicate to our children? And our children can see so easily through this facade. But here's the thing. They can also see us as parents genuinely, authentically trying our best to love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. They can see that. They notice that, a genuine, authentic desire. They can see that and appreciate that. All we have to do as parents is give our children a front row seat to mom or dad or mom and dad loving Jesus the best that they can the best that they can with all of their heart, soul, and strength. And when they see us fail, because they will see us fail, right? They're going to see us ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness and confess sin and confess wrong. They're going to see that, and they'll see the freedom that comes from grace and forgiveness. They'll see that as we lead them to Jesus, and it starts with us. We can't lead our children to where we have not gone. We can't take someone somewhere that we haven't gone. We can't bring our kids to Jesus if we don't personally know Jesus in an intimate, life-changing way. Parents, you can do this. Spiritual parents, you can do this. You absolutely can, you can, with God's help. With God's help. Not perfectly, absolutely not perfectly. But you as spiritual parents, influences of others, you as parents of children, you can be a living, living, not perfect, a living example of what it looks like to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Absolutely, you can with God's help. So what are the things, here's the question, what are the things that you have in place for you personally to keep your love for God alive? What are some things that you have in place? Said another way, what are some things in your life that if you don't do them, if you don't continue to do them, you will see your love for God diminish and grow cold? What are those things? For so many of us, we know. I know. If I'm not regularly reading God's word, if not daily, I know my love for God will diminish. I just know that. Many of you are the exact same. For some of you, it's personal worship. Personal, private worship. For you to sing songs of worship, listen to songs of worship just fuels your love for God. Where you're reminded of spiritual truths, of who God is, what God has done, who you are. That fuels your love for God. For many of you, it's corporate worship like this right now. And COVID has been very difficult for you. It's been difficult for you to keep your love for God alive through only worshiping online. And you've missed this. That's the way that you and your love for God continues to grow, stay strong. As we're in stage two, we do have room, right? At our eight worship services across all of our campus locations, we have room right now. And as we anticipate moving into stage three in early July, we will have even more room. And so come worship God with other followers of Jesus together. So parents, if we, if you are going to lead your children to Jesus, so they follow him as fully devoted disciples, first starts with us. We need to be paying attention to our own spiritual lives, exercising good self-leadership for our own spiritual lives and loving God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Second is this. Your children need you to lead them to Jesus. Your children need you to lead them to Jesus. Absolutely. Edward, Duke of Windsor, said this about America. As he looked across the ocean at America, North America, he he said this. He said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. (laughs) think about that for a minute the thing that impresses me most is the way that parents obey their children parents, question for you are your children leading you or are you leading your children? see, every so often there's parenting articles books that are written, you know, on adult-centered parenting child-centered parenting there's likely other books written about Who knows what kind of centered parenting strategy is out there. And I'm all for learning and growing as a parent. Absolutely. But I just feel we need to stay focused on Jesus-centered parenting. Jesus-centered parenting. Leading our children to know Jesus. They need him in their lives. Parents, you lead them spiritually. You set the tone. You are the divine authority in your household. You determine what's right and wrong. You determine what's beneficial and what's off base. You determine and lead what is respectful and honoring. And you do all of this through the testimony of your life. And don't lead your children as an authoritative power, you know, overlord. Absolutely not. Lead with love. Lead with humility. Lead with gentleness. Lead with kindness. But lead your children. Lead your children. You lead the way and you lead them. Lead them in life. Lead them to know Jesus. Now you might ask, well, how do I lead? What do I do? Here's the thing. I can't give you seven steps, five points, eight principles. This you know, 12-step strategy. I can't do that for you. What will work for you and your family may not be the right thing for another family. But here's what I would say. If you're going to lead, you will need to do that intentionally. Very intentionally. Seek God about this. Pray and ask God. As a mom, God, what can I do to lead my children to you. The Dad, what can I do to lead my children to you? Both of you together with your spouse, what can I do to lead our children to you? Pray about this. When you get a sense of what God is asking you to do, then do that. Try that. If it doesn't work, try something else. But lead. God, God has placed you in this role to lead your children to Jesus. Now, some of the things that Nadine and I have put into practice, and I say practice because we're not perfect at any of this. But here's some of the things that we do. We read as a family. I enjoy reading. My wife, Nadine, enjoys reading. So during certain times of the year, especially over summer, we read. We get some books, buy some books, borrow some books for our children to read that will encourage them spiritually. We love reading about these great male and female leaders of the Christian faith. We love reading books about missionaries and Christian leaders, and their courage challenges us. Their sacrifice, their boldness, their faith increases our faith, and we have great conversations with our children as we read together some of these books. We eat together as a family. And and we don't eat together while we watch TV, we eat together sitting around a table, looking into each other's eyes, talking with each other. We fight hard to do this about four or five, usually about five times a week we can do this. Might be a very short meal, a brief meal, or a longer meal, but we sit together around a table. And one of the things that we do is we just go around and everybody shares a high and a low of their day. Sometimes around the high or the low, we might spend time very brief just praying for one another very short, very simple, but we eat together. Pre-COVID, we were very careful not to over schedule our family. We just felt like busyness, we're we're busy already, you know, Um, but busyness kills the time that we have for each other, kills the time that we have for others that we want to be in community with. But a couple of nights, we did not schedule anything regularly on Wednesday night. Wednesday night, Across all our campuses, Center Street Church is youth night. Our two boys are involved in youth. Wednesday night is youth. Wednesday nights are just boundaried. The other thing, Saturday nights, is when we worship as a family. The last 10 years, we've been coming to the evening service here at Central Campus, right, on Saturday nights. And uh, that's church, and so we don't schedule anything else on Saturday nights. And so then we would look to other nights of the week to schedule activities or sports for our kids. We don't overschedule our lives. We value a strong family identity. Because when a family has a strong family identity, peer pressure is weak. Peer pressure is weak. If a family has a weak family identity, peer pressure is strong. So one of the things that we do with our family identity is we have family nights Friday night. Sometimes others might join us, but Friday night, generally, is family night. I'm almost getting tired of eating pizza because every Friday night is pizza. We either make pizza or we buy pizza, order it. But, you know, sometimes we'll play a game. We love watching good movies as a family. We might just watch a movie, but Friday nights is family night. Um, here's the thing with our family. We get into a good rhythm of having some family devotional times. And then that rhythm, you know, we just we fall out of that rhythm. And, and then we, we're not, you know, we don't beat ourselves up over that. We just start again. You know, a new family rhythm of some devotional time. Sometimes we'll listen to the Daily Audio Bible. It's awesome. The Daily Audio Bible together. Sometimes we'll read a portion of Scripture and talk about that. We keep it short, real simple. But we just sit down and talk about God, you know. And, and again, we get into a good rhythm, then we fall apart, and then we just start back up again. Prayer is a key part of our family. My wife prays with our kids before they go to school every day. Around our supper meal, we always pray. Um, and then before we go to sleep, either we pray as a family together, or my wife or I will pray with our children each. So we love that at minimum three times a day we pray together as a family. We love that. Um, another thing we do is we try and save up and go to a family bible camp every summer and we didn't do that last summer but this coming summer it looks like it's going to happen and so this will be the ninth year that we've gone as a family bible camp and you know what it's an opportunity again for us to be spiritually recharged as a family connecting with one another it's just a highlight of our summer and uh, we'd have a mutiny you know if we didn't do that from our kids um so here's the thing here's the thing Please don't hear me say that we have it perfect. Please don't hear me say that that, um, the things that we're doing, you should do. Please don't hear me say that. I'm just letting you know, here's some things that we've struggled through, that we've found have worked for us as we try and lead our kids to Jesus. Please don't hear me say that these are things you should do. But my wife and I, we have a clear goal. We have a clear goal that we're chasing after, and that's to try and introduce our kids to love Jesus and be fully devoted disciples of Jesus, and you can do this as parents. You know, fight with us, struggle with us towards this end, and when the culture pulls you in one direction, you're going to have to go the other direction. Your children might say, well, so-and-so's parents allow us to do that, or so-and-so, they don't have these rules, they don't have these standards. You lead the way in your family, lead them to Jesus. You're gonna have to go against the culture, you're gonna have to go against the traffic to do this. You set the direction, you set the tone. Again, with humility and love. I love the story that Craig Rochelle shares, and you know I have to thank him for insights into this message, but he tells the story of a solo parent mom. Who just didn't know what to do with her teenager. Her teenager just wanted to, and she allowed him to go watch some movies with his friends. They were R rated movies. And you know, she'd say, Well, should you go watch that? And he'd say, Well, it's just, it's not all bad. Just parts of it are bad, just a little bit of bad. And she struggled and she said, God, what do I do here? What do I do? Well, God gave her a brilliant idea. I think it's just an awesome idea. So the next time her son came to her and said, can I go watch a movie? She said, what kind of movie is it? What's it rated? He said, it's an R-rated movie. And she said, okay, but here's what I need from you. I need you to help me make some brownies. He thought, wonderful. (laughs) I love brownies. That's awesome. I'll help you make the brownies. And she said, but you have to contribute something. Here's what I need from you. She said, go into the backyard with a spoon, and I want you to get a spoonful of our dog's poop and bring it to me." And he thought, Mom, that's nasty. Why would I do that? She said, if you want to go watch this R-rated movie, this is what you have to do. Help me make brownies. So fine, he said, went into the backyard, got a spoon, got some of the dog poop, brought it into the mom, and she said, oh, no, 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 that's too much, you know, and she cut it in half, <laughs> took half of it, threw it into the brownie mix, mixed up the brownie batter, and he, son is saying, Mom, that's disgusting, absolutely disgusting. She said, No. So mixed it up, put the brownie batter into the other bowl, gave him the bowl to lick, right? And, um, and he said, No, it's disgusting. And the mom says this, But what you don't understand, son, it's just a little bit of poop. And then the son understood a little bit of ungodliness is too much. A little bit of a lie is too much. A little bit of going contrary to God and his commands is too much. A little bit of not believing the whole scripture is too much disbelieving. A little bit is too much. See, parents, if your heart is wholly surrendered to God. If you genuinely, to the best of your ability, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, you're in charge. Just because others set a standard for their family doesn't mean that's your standard. You determine before God, humbly before God, what it means for you to lead your children to follow Jesus. You should not be so concerned about your child's immediate happiness as you are concerned with their holiness. And them living as a disciple of Jesus in every single way. The way we do this, the way we lead our children to Jesus is parent, is, in parenting is, is training. This is what we do. We train our children up. We train them. Beautiful, amazing Proverbs. Um, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old. He will not depart from it. Train your child to go to Jesus. Train them to pursue, to love Jesus the best that you can. This word train means palate. Your your palate in your mouth. That's what the word train means. And what would happen is in the Old Testament, when an Israelite woman would be having a baby, the Hebrew midwife would be there and would take her finger, dip it into a little bit of paste, and put that paste on on the palate, the baby's palate. And when she would do this, it would initiate hunger. And the baby then would nurse properly. So parents, what we do as parents, with all of the things that we try and do to lead our children to Jesus, what we're doing is we're training. We're trying to initiate a hunger for Jesus, a love for God, a desire for obedience, a desire to follow Jesus. We prompt them, we give them experiences, we lead them in conversations, we model for them a way of life, of obedience, of surrender to God. Everything that we do, we hope, initiates hunger and desire in them so that as they continue to grow up, They'll follow Jesus on their own. That's what we're trying to do with our families. Parents, spiritual leaders, spiritual parents, lead, lead, love your children, lead them. God placed you in that role. You can do this. You can with God's help. You can do this. Lead as he calls you to lead. We want you to know that all of our, at all of our campuses, our children's ministry teams are very, very, very serious right? about partnering with you as parents, partnering with you as grandparents, par- partnering with you as, as foster parents, adoptive parents, partnering with you as parents to lead your children to become fully devoted. And as we move into stage three here In uh, early July, and then as we look at August, we're hoping that we can start once again in-person children's ministry. But if you have not yet, yeah, I'm so excited by that, but if you have not yet accessed any of our, our children's ministry online resources, there's some amazing, helpful lessons and conversation starters for you as parents. If you haven't picked up any of the ministry boxes that we have to help you lead your children, do that. Do that. Go online or stop by our Connect area immediately after this service and look for those ministry boxes. But here's the thing. As we look at August, we know some of our children's ministry volunteer teams are so excited about returning. And others are a bit reluctant and hesitant. So here's the thing. We need some help in our children's ministry area. And if you feel like you would just even like to have a conversation about what it could look like for you to be a part of this church, to help this church, all of us together disciple the children of this church, please stop by our Connect area, look for someone in a blue shirt. Again, just even to have a conversation, just to say, what would this look like? Please do that this weekend, next weekend, or whenever as we approach August. So, We as a church, we want to partner together with families, right, to disciple the children of this church. We need your help. So as we come to the end right now, I would like for you just to be thinking and reflecting and saying, God, what are you saying to me about all this? What are you saying to me about my heart? My love for you, God. Are you saying anything to me? Are there some things that I've neglected doing? Are there some things possibly that I need to start doing to make sure that my love for you, God, stays vibrant and strong? What is God saying to you? I want to talk to you, ask you to reflect on your leadership, your spiritual leadership, your spiritual leadership as a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't think of just your family, but think... You know, broader, if you don't have children directly under your leadership right now, think of your friends that you're in relationship with you. Are you leading your friends? Or are your friends leading you? Think about your family, extended family, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your aunts or uncles, your extended family. Are you leading them to Jesus? How are you exercising spiritual leadership in their lives? Think about the people maybe that you were in school with. Think about those maybe you encounter on a Zoom meeting these days. Think about your coworkers you may have. Think about those individuals that you can't wait to get back to playing sports with, you know, on sports teams. Think about those individuals. How are you leading them spiritually? What opportunities are in front of you to lead them spiritually, to lead them to Jesus? Lead them to Jesus. Parents, are you leading your children? Or are they leading you? How is your spiritual leadership these days? In this message, this weekend, I've been preaching to myself. <laughs> really. And, you know, I... I'm honest with myself, at times I do. I place too much focus and emphasis on my work as a, than I do leading my family. Certainly there's times I do that. And I just I just need to confess that. And then I just need to say again, God help me. Help me once again. Just fulfill this role that you've called me to. And that I love being a dad, being a parent. The Bible is clear, I'm to lead my family. My wife and I were to lead our family lead our children. So if you, if you look at your life and you'd say, you know what, I'm not the spiritual leader that I need to be. Kent, would you pray for me? If you would say that, Kent, would you pray for me so that I would be the spiritual leader, that I would lead my family, I would lead my children, I'd lead those around me. Kent, would you pray for me that God would make me a better spiritual leader? I want to do that right now. I just want to ask that you raise your hand. If that's your desire, to be a spiritual leader, a better spiritual leader than you are. I want you to raise your hand. It's awesome. And church, let's just join together. Let's pray together for these that have raised their hands all around the room. It's awesome. It's awesome. Okay, let's pray together, church. God, I thank you so much for the hands lifted high. And I pray that as we draw close to you with our hearts, with the affection of our hearts, as we draw close to you, I pray that you would overwhelm us with your love so that the spiritual leadership within us would be a natural reflection of what you are doing in our lives. We'd be overwhelmed with your love so that our leadership would be a natural reflection of you and what you're doing. I pray that our influence and our leadership would not be forced, but God, that it would be a reflection of the power and truth and love of your Holy Spirit working within us, within us. God, I pray especially for parents. God, for single parents, for blended families. I pray for those who are praying for children one day. I pray for adoptive parents, foster parents, grandparents, any spiritual parents. God, I pray that you would renew our minds I pray that you would give us clear direction I pray that you would speak to us so clearly I pray that you would increase the anointing of your Holy Spirit on our lives to spiritually lead those around us and lead them to your son Jesus so they would become fully devoted followers of you answer our prayer I pray as well that you would burn a passion in us to lead those around us to live fully surrendered to you, fully dependent upon you. God, we commit to do our part. Thank you for your grace and forgiveness when we fail and stumble. But we commit to do our part, to lead intentionally. And we thank you, God, ahead of time for the great things that you are going to do. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen.